Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome back to Sex, Love, and Addiction, the show where we are here to talk about sex, love, and addiction. And I want to remind you that our work is presented by our treatment program and our online programming, which you can find at SeekingIntegrity.com. Well, you know, I've got a special guest because whenever I do this, I've got a special guest. And this is someone who has recently written about pornography, which is a big issue in our culture, as you can imagine, and evolving in all kinds of new ways. Dr. Sandra Shahar is a licensed psychologist in private practice who has more than 30 years of clinical experience working with individuals and couples affected by betrayal in their intimate relationships. She's the author of The Porn Solution. Relationship Repair After Pornography, which just came out, and I had the honor of endorsing, which is really fun. Dr. Shahar is a certified Imago Relationship Therapist and a certified clinical partner specialist with the Association for Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. She is licensed in multiple states and authorized to provide therapy in various places across the, across the country. And she'll explain how to get a hold of her and the work that she does in just a few minutes. So welcome, Dr. Shahar. Hi, Rob. And thank you so much for having me on your program. Yeah, we know each other. So, you know, when folks hear, hi, Rob, as opposed to hi, Dr. Rob, they know <laughs> that it's someone that I would have lunch with and have coffee with rather than somebody who's a stranger. But anyway, welcome, Dr. Shahar. Thanks. I am so glad that you joined us because porn, really the issue around betrayal and porn is such a huge concern uh, among spouses in particular. And I'll just say to you folks that we've done some research and many of the, I'm going to use a heterosexual model, many of the men we have worked with would say, oh, porn isn't cheating. Porn isn't like I'm having a relationship with someone. Porn isn't like I actually touched someone. But when I talk to spouses about their experience of whether porn felt like a betrayal to their relationship, we got up in the 80th percentile. So what we have is a population of men who think, oh, it's no big deal, and a population of female spouses, for the most part, who say, it is a big deal, and why aren't you listening to me? And that is really the topic of our conversation today. So Dr. Char, why did you write this book called The Porn Solution? Well, Rob, exactly as you were just discussing the 
um, perception of pornography that is minimized in our culture when it comes to partner trauma after the discovery of hidden pornography use. And the phrase that came to mind for me in uh, listening to your description of this cultural phenomenon uh, of the minimization of pornography as a hidden pornography, I will say, as a form of betrayal in relationships, what constitutes betrayal is lying and deception. So when we have lying and deception towards intimate partners, that constitutes a violation of trust and that creates betrayal trauma. And in particular, uh, I wanted to focus this book on the betrayal that's experienced by intimate partners around pornography precisely because it is so minimized in uh, the experience of the betrayed partners. Well, I have, a, I have a question for you before we really get started, because I think that there are differences, and you use the words, and of course I write stuff down because I forget it because I'm old now. One of the things I wrote, wrote down was the word hidden, and I wrote down the word hidden because you know, I, my sense is what you mean by that is that if you and I are in meaningful, re intimate relationship and I say to you, Hey, I'd like to look at porn once in a while. And you say, that's fine. It's no big deal. And I'm guessing here that it isn't a breaking of trust. It isn't a violation to the relationship because we have agreed it's no big deal. Exactly. And as long as I don't look at it in a way that I haven't told you like three hours a night, you know, four days a week, then I have not betrayed you. Is, is that what you mean? Well, exactly. This is about informed consent, that as intimate partners, we deserve the ability to have informed consent when we sign up for a relationship, and there is a presumption of trust and transparency. I presume, as your intimate partner, unless we've discussed otherwise, that um, I will know most everything about you and your life. Uh, there's nothing that you have purposely hidden or concealed from me. And so it is, it's not uh, the act of what you are doing specifically. It is the deception. It is what you have hidden from me that constitutes the betrayal. So I hear what I think I hear you saying is that I could have a money betrayal. Absolutely. I could spend a couple of thousand dollars on something that I really want. And I just don't want you to say no. So I'm just going to buy it and not tell you or tell you, you know, someone gave it to me or something because I want what I want. And I want to avoid either you're saying no or the consequences if I do it anyway. So it, I just. Exactly. The, inf the information that constitutes uh, a betrayal is anything that I did not know about you during the course of our relationship or prior to our relationship that I would care about if I did. I would have feelings about it. It wouldn't matter to me. So I want to go back to one point because I, I want people to hear this and be very clear about this, is that Dr. Shahar and I are not saying that all porn is bad. Now, people may have that feeling, and I don't disagree with it. That is their personal decision. Um, I've heard people say, you know, I don't want you to look at porn in our relationship 
but that's a different issue. So I just want to be clear, and, and Dr. Shahar, you're going to back me up here or you're not, that porn is used in couples therapy, sexology therapy, sex therapy. Porn is something that someone might feel very comfortable with. And I'm not talking about morality or the sex trade or any of the issues that might underlie that. But in terms of whether we think porn is good or bad or right or wrong, that's not the focus of this conversation. The focus is what happens in a coupleship when I am lying and keeping secrets about what I'm looking at. Is that right? Exactly. It is exactly that. And so that there, I'm not taking any moral or ethical position on pornography. And often people will have religious or uh, personal value concerns about pornography. And if so, that, that is something that they can discuss with their partner. So when people have informed consent, I know what you're doing and I've let you know it's fine with me or it's not fine with me, but you've let me know you're engaging in this behavior, even though I'm not fine with it. The point is that I know about it. So whether that's taking money out of our joint bank account and spending that on X, Y, or Z, as long as I have informed consent about it, it doesn't, well, I may not consent to it, but the information you trust comes from transparency. When you say informed consent, and that, that's used, I think of that as a legal term, or, but I think what you're saying is a conversation that we have talked about, that I have informed you of what I plan on doing, and that you have given your consent. Exactly. I think that's what we're or talking that about. I, I am consenting to be in this relationship, knowing all that I do about you. As long as I have informed, underline the word informed, consent, then I am freely consenting to be in our relationship. Even if we have to have difficult conversations and negotiations about what it is that you'd like to do, and I feel I may not be okay with. So actually, I want to touch on that. We have really good questions, by the way, and I'm really eager to ask them. And uh, because we talked a little bit about what are great questions for this talk, but I wanted to do a little bit of role playing with you, which means that I want to play. And again, we're using a heterosexual model. So I want to play a husband and I would like you to play the wife. Is that okay? Absolutely. And then we can sort of play out some of these scenarios. So let's say you don't want me to look at porn and I do come to you and I say, so, Sandra, I love our relationship. You know, I have great affection and attraction to you. Lord knows after all these years, it's still there for us. But, you know, I'm really thinking that with all this new pornography and all these things that are going with AR and VR, all this, I'd like to spend a little time with porn and, you know, explore my own interests and spend a little time with myself sexually. How would that be for you? Can we talk about that? Sure, Rob. And uh, I am totally open to talking with you about that. And if you are interested in doing that, I don't know if I want to participate in that with you, but I have no problem with your exploring that on your own. So everyone, I'm going to stop and say that is informed consent. I said to her as her husband, I'd like, or boyfriend or whatever it is, I'd like to do this. And she said, you know, I don't think that's a problem. You know, what's the big deal? It doesn't bother me. In which case, we've had the discussion and there's no betrayal. So let's go on to the next example. We're going to do this again. Hey, Sandra, you know, it's good to see you. You know, I, I just want you to know I love our love life. And, you know, we're so fortunate to be connected intimately after all these years. But I've been thinking that, you know, I'd like to kind of explore some of this new porn, this AR, this VR, all that stuff, and maybe explore myself in the process. What do you think about that? 
You know, Rob, my immediate reaction to what you said is I am really not comfortable with that. This goes against my value system. I'm not sure it's something I would want to participate in. And I don't think I feel comfortable in having you do that. But, but Sandra, this is what guys do. You know, I don't see what the big deal is. I'm still attracted to you. I'm still engaged with you. I think my value choices are mine and not for you to judge. So, like, why can't I just do this? I mean, like I said, I have lots of friends who look at porn. Lord knows you'd think we stop at 17, but we don't. So, and hey, I'm asking you. I'm talking to you about it. It's not like I'm hiding it. So, why can't I do what I want? I really appreciate your telling me. And, of course, uh, I can't tell you not to do something, but I am asking you because we're in a relationship with each other, regardless of what other people are doing, I'm not comfortable with it. And so relationally, I do, it's not good for our relationship, in my opinion. But, but, but Sandra, I'm, I'm not cheating on you. I'm not with another person. I'm not having an affair. I'm not going to strip clubs or any of that stuff. I'm just looking at images, and I don't understand. What makes this a betrayal? I mean, it's it's porn. It isn't like I'm having an affair or having sex with other people. So what's the big deal? Well, I don't consider it a betrayal because you are telling me what you want to do and perhaps what you intend to do, and I am merely stating my need is for us to either continue to talk about this until I become comfortable or for you to honor my request that you not do this in our relationship. It's not something I feel comfortable participating in. And I would like for our sexual experiences to be with each other because we're in a relationship with each other, regardless of what other people are doing. I'm going to stop for a moment, everybody, and I'm going to play this just a different way. And I'm doing this, you know, I'm not a very good actor, but I I think these are the kind of questions that come up with couples, if I'm right, Dr. Shahar, and I just want to have you hear them, and then we'll go back to questions. So, Dr. Shahar, um, you have just found out that I'm looking at all this porn that you didn't know about. And I didn't tell you because A, I thought you'd say no and I wanted to do it anyway. Or B, I knew you'd get really upset with me and I didn't want to deal with your upset. So I just go off and don't tell you. So let's try that scenario. So very briefly, I come home from work and you say, hey, what's this on your computer or whatever that is? Let's just do that for one. So I've just come home and you found some porn in my computer. I need to talk with you about what I've discovered And I need to let you know that this is really upsetting to me. You know, I I, I don't understand that. I mean, I'm a man. I'm not having an affair with someone. I'm not reaching out physically with someone. I'm just looking a little bit. You know, we still have an intimate life. And, you know, I, I, I just really don't understand the big deal. And besides, you know, if I want to go for a walk, I go for a walk. If I want to have something to eat, I have something to eat. If I want to look at porn, I look at porn. I mean, I don't really understand why you are making such a big deal out of this. The reason it's a big deal for me is that you didn't share this with me, that you were doing this. And it has a meaning to me. It is reflective of, for me, it says something about our relationship, my connection with you. And I thought I knew about the important things about you, especially when it comes to sex. And that I thought something was private between us. And that's how we were expressing our sexuality and our 
intimacy with each other. And so it feels to me like you've stepped outside of our relationship, even if it's not physically with another person. By the way, Sandra, you're the calmest spouse I have ever spoken to. <laughs> because I, I mean, and I appreciate your thoughtfulness. I do. You know, I have to say that a lot of the spouses I work with, um, when I come home and, and they find the porn, I more get an issue like, or a response like, I can't believe you do this. You know, you're looking at other people. It makes me feel inadequate. And when did you start doing this? Because I can't believe you're doing stuff behind my back. And I feel incredibly violated by that. Yeah. There's a reason for that reaction, Rob. And the, the reason that betrayed partners have this, what can seem like a very extreme reaction, even to the point of appearing crazy, unhinged, (laughs) that the reason is that physiologically, the, the betrayed partner feels that their very life is at stake. Their very being um, is okay, I gotta stop, and I'm going to stop you, Doctor Doctor Shahar. That seems so like such a big way of saying it. I mean, and I, as the man, I would come back in this situation and say again, like, wh- I, I, I eat candy, I go for walks, I, you know, maybe I go out for golf, and I didn't tell you today because I just really wanted to go relax, and you were busy. Um, why I would say as the partner, why this big reaction? What's the big deal? Um, you know, you trust me. So why don't you trust me to do these kinds of things? So what I'm saying to you is there's a huge reaction. And I think you were coming back, or I'd like you to come back with the whole nature of why, um, if I don't really care about porn, what do I care about in that moment? In that moment, there has been the discovery of a betrayal. So when information is freely given to a partner, that's trust building. When information has to be discovered, that is trust-breaking. And when I feel that you have betrayed my trust in you, this is a huge rupture in our intimate connection with each other. That you have turned away from me, and rather than sharing with me, you have hidden something from me. And it's something that has meaning to me our intimate bond through our sexual expression of intimacy and vulnerability with each other. Oh, what if Dr. Shahara, and I'm getting, I'm playing, by the way, you folks, I'm playing devil's advocate because I completely believe and agree with Dr. Shahara that betrayal is betrayal, whether it's spending a lot of money or, you know, when I do something meaningful, I have let you down if I didn't tell you. But one of the questions I have is what if I don't think porn's a big deal? What if I say something to you like, I didn't think this would bother you. And I really mean it. I wasn't hiding it. I wasn't doing it because I thought you would disagree. I just didn't see the problem. What then? Well, this is often the explanation slash justification that the person who's engaged in the betrayal behavior gives to their partner. This isn't a big deal. It's not about you. And for the partner, this is further um, activating their trauma response what do you mean this isn't a big deal? This is a very big deal. It goes to the very heart of our intimate connection with each other for the betrayed partner. And because we are bonded to each other as partners, 
physiologically, we co-regulate. When you're upset, it becomes my distress. When you're having a joyful moment, it's amplified when we share that together. Our blood pressure, our heart rates, all of these co-regulate in our relationships. So we're ping-ponging off of each other's neurological, physiological, emotional states. And we are bonded to each other in a survival way. Human beings don't do well in isolation. Mm -hmm. So from birth, we are born into a relationship. We get wounded in relationships. And the big message I want couples to have is you can heal in a relationship. This actually, um, I, I always go back to the Chinese symbol for crisis is a combination of two Chinese symbol words, danger and opportunity. So in every crisis, which creates a feeling of danger for us, we have an opportunity to do something transformational. And that's the big takeaway that I want couples to have from the very first time that I meet with them or when they read my book that there's an opportunity here to transform your relationship into something that's more deeply and intimately connected and satisfying for both of you. So when you wrote The Porn Solution, and I'm guessing, because you know you can think of the solution, the solution to people using porn, the solution to men and women being exploited in porn, the, but you're talking about the solution in terms of, of how porn can affect a couple when there's a breaking of trust. And by the way, I... I uh, my experience of betrayed spouses is that it doesn't just have to do with this issue that all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, if I couldn't trust you to say this to me, then what are you doing when you out the door? And what other things are you not talking to me about? And that to me, and I could be wrong. It's almost a large, like this, I don't want to say smaller issue, but this individual issue gets broadened from what I understand, or at least that's what the spouses say. Did you write about that? Exactly. So the, the phrase I use um, when working with couples is trust is lost in buckets and regained in drops. <laughs> and in the beginning of looking at how to repair, heal, and move forward together for couples, the heavy lifting is on the partner who has engaged in the betrayal behavior, whatever that constitutes. And in this case, it's hidden pornography use. So how do we regain trust by actions and work actions and words matching up consistently over time? So often I'll have betrayed partners say back to their spouse who's saying, honey, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I'm not watching pornography why can't we just move forward? I love you. I've been trustworthy in every other area. I've never sent money you didn't know about. I've always shown up for the kids. Exactly. When you, so why are you... And the, right. and the spouse says, I see your mouth moving <laughs> and here's something coming out and it doesn't count. Your words don't matter because you have lied to me. So I do want to say that you are expressing this in a way that is really well thought out and really well articulated. By the way, Dr. Shahar, I think you had some therapy. <laughs> I have had lots. But, but I, I, I think it would be easy to tell a spouse, you're making a big deal out of this. 
leave me alone. Why, you know, why are you so insecure? And I can imagine some spouses would shut down. They wouldn't argue with that. They wouldn't disagree. Inside, they'd feel hurt, but they might sort of surrender to that and say, oh, well, you know, what's, I guess they're right. It's not a big deal. Uh, What happens to a spouse when they deny or push away or minimize for themselves? Like, there's no point in being in this fight because I'm going to lose kind of thing. I hope that my book is empowering both for the betrayed partner and for the person who's engaged in a betrayal behavior. And what I want the betrayed partner to take away is it makes absolute sense why you are reacting the way that you are. This is normal under these abnormal circumstances. You have a right to all the feelings that you're having And you have the right to ask for your needs to be met. And it's okay to have needs in this relationship. One of them is for your partner to be transparent and trustworthy. So that is uh, an empowering statement to to recognize that you are absolutely um, valid and uh, normal to be asking your partner to do these things to regain your trust. On the other side of the street, for the person who's engaged in the betrayal behavior, when you are defensive, when you are minimizing with your partner, you are worsening the situation and actually re-traumatizing them. And so to the extent that you can engage in um, conversation with your partner around this and be present with her pain, not minimize it, not justify what you did, take accountability. Well, I want to flip it around on you and give you one more scenario. And then I have a lot of questions for you because I, I love this. Okay. Scenario, but that's, you know, I usually love a lot of things when I come up with them, but you guys know a little bit about my narcissism. So, so I have another kind of role play for you and it goes exactly with what you're talking about, but it's flipping it on its head, which is, you know, honey, if you really love and you really trust me, then you wouldn't worry about the things I'm doing because you would know that I would never really do anything that would violate you. And so to me, my looking at this is, and you're being okay with it is a part of you're trusting me. (laughs) Well, a part of being able to trust you is to know what you are doing and to have you freely offer that information to me. And when you have not done that, it does beg the question for me, what else are you hiding? What else don't I know about you? But what if I didn't think this was a big deal? What if I didn't even think it rose to the level of having to talk to you about it because it's my life and it's what I want to do? And, and I'm not going to push this any further, but I'm thinking of all the scenarios and the ways that people would think about it. In the scenario that you're giving, Rob, where, uh, which I have heard <laughs> the betraying partner say, I didn't think you'd care about this. And why would you? I didn't think it was a big deal. What what I say to that person is you have now made a decision for me as your partner about what I should be thinking or feeling about what you are doing. And it's not your role to tell me what I should be thinking or feeling. My thoughts and my feelings are my own, and I'm entitled to them. 
Well, and as the betrayer, I would, and I, this is my last statement, I would say something to you like, well, I guess you need to make a list of every single thing that might upset you that I need to tell you about so that I don't get in this kind of trouble again, because Lord knows I seem to have missed this. So go out there and make a list. So at least I won't do this again, because I don't know what you might be upset about. You're upset about this. Seems not that important to me. Well, here's what I would suggest to you, dear is if you have any doubt at all as to whether or not I would be upset by something you're considering doing, just ask me and I'll let you know. You know, it's, uh, it, what I want to say to you, Dr. Shahar, is uh, I've done a number of podcasts with Dr. Stan Tatkin, who I bet has have a feeling you guys resonate with each other about yes, attachment absolutely. and co-regulation, all those fancy words. But one of the things he says, and I constantly recall it, is whenever you're going to make a decision in a relationship, you will never go wrong if the decision is based on what's best on uh, for us, what is best for us, and not what's best for me or what I think will please you. Yes, I'm so glad that you said that, Rob. I think that's kind of the center lane of what you're talking about. Absolutely. I agree with Stan Tatkin entirely. And this also is a principle that is expressed in the uh, 12-step recovery program Mm -hmm. for couples, Recovering Couples Anonymous, that the partnership, your coupleship, which is a unique kind of relationship, has needs of its own. And it needs to be prioritized actually above the needs of the individual partners. For us to be able to have a wee conversation about is this good, whatever it is, whatever the topic is, is this good for us? Mm. Is this good for our relationship? And what is a problem for one person is a problem for both. Let me say that again. A problem for one is a problem for both. If it's if I'm upset about something or concerned about something, this is a problem for both of us. And we need to be able to have a respectful, safe, and compassionate conversation about it. You know, I, what I want people to hear, and I think is so important to me, is we're not talking about the issue of porn. We're really talking about how it reflects trust in a relationship. And I think what I heard you say, and I, you guys have heard me say, there is nothing more meaningful. It is the glue that holds a relationship together. It's not just the love that we have for each other. But again, when you go out that door, I know you would never do anything that would hurt me or that wouldn't have my back. Um, so I appreciate your taking it from a, a relationship perspective and not simply about the porn. But I do want to ask you a question that relates to the book specifically. And the question really is, and I think it's an important one, what makes betrayal with porn different than betrayal with an affair or, as I said, going to a strip club? or Because we kind of have this little continuum, if you will, this little line. And in my head, porn isn't as bad as you know, an affair, as touching, as looking, as... So why is this different? Well, I'm often talking with betrayed partners who, uh, where the, the form of betrayal was hidden pornography use. And they often are having the same conversation with themselves internally of, why am I so upset about this? It's not like he was cheating with someone uh, in person. And I do understand that the research is that most people by the time they're age 14 have been exposed to pornography, if not engaging, especially 
guys um, to be um, gender specific about it. Uh, this is it does tend to be more of a male issue, although. Uh, well, men, we men are more visually uh, stimulated. We like exactly. new things. Um, we are kind of driven in a way toward um, non-intimate sexuality that many women may not be. So I think that's what you're talking about. We do experience sexual and we have testosterone. We're different. Yes. So, so it does become pornography use becomes normalized for men, particularly in, in our culture and women have internalized the societal messages uh, just the same as men have. Everybody does this. What's the big deal? It's not actually cheating. However, for, uh, and again, primarily I am seeing uh, cisgendered male betraying partners with cisgendered female oh, wait, betrayed hold on, hold on. partners. You're going to have to explain cis this or that because I don't know, you know, cis from sass. <laughs> can, you, can you explain? So, yeah, just for so... Individuals who primarily identify with their biological sex assigned at birth as female or male mm -hmm. and present as a heterosexual couple. Um, this is primarily uh, who um, seeks help mm -hmm. for betrayal. However, uh, my experience is that the couples who are um, same-sex couples mm -hmm. or non-binary identified or uh, genderqueer couples who come uh, for help with betrayal trauma are affected in exactly the same way. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to drop this in there, and I'm so, so sorry to interrupt in that this way, but I've seen more gay men in particular deal with betrayal since there has been gay marriage. And all of a sudden, so wait a minute, we're we're married. You know, it's not like you can go out there and yes. go, we're married. And so that sense, and I think that is useful because that sense of bonding and that we're at a exactly. deeper level of commitment does bring up this fear of you're going to go away. Absolutely. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our Treatment Center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term, effective, intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.